Hey folks, this podcast goes beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. After completing her master's degree at West Texas A&M University, Megan Bryant moved to Colorado and started a career with Purina Animal Nutrition. She's been with Purina as a sales specialist with a focus on equine nutrition since 2000 working with animal owners and feed store dealers in Colorado and Wyoming. Outside of her career, Megan serves as the president of the Miss Rodeo Colorado Committee and as the secretary for the Colorado Horse Development Authority Board, where it is her goal to help promote the Colorado horse industry. Megan lives with her husband, Tony, and son, Aiden, in Windsor, where they enjoy their horses, dogs, and the beauty of Colorado. Thank you, Megan, so much for joining us today. We're excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really, I've been looking forward to this. I think it's like I said, it's a great idea that I think a lot of people should listen to and, and should benefit from. Well, your episode is going to be full of good stuff. I can feel it. So let's jump right in. Can you give us a synopsis of what it is that you do? Yeah. So right now I'm a sales specialist for Purina Animal Nutrition, and my primary focus is on our equine business. However, I also cover poultry questions and goat questions, show animal questions. I cover a lot of that business as well, but my focus is equine and I work with our end users, so animal owners, and provide information for them, whether it's about a feeding program or a specific feed. And then I also work with our independent retailers and help to support them with training, information on products promotions, kind of whatever, whatever they need at the moment. It sounds like your degree in animal nutrition, so not just equine, definitely serves you well. It does. It does. I I didn't think I was going to use all of the extra things I was learning outside of my equine classes, but I'm really glad that I paid attention and I learned how to diagram that cow udder and and (laughs) learn about chickens because that, that definitely is part of my job today. Well, can you give us sort of a more tangible, like what's a typical day in the life of Megan? Well, it, you know, the nice thing about my job is that it changes almost every day. And I I like that it's not the same every day, that there's kind of a new challenge or something uh, different to address every day. But generally, it involves returning some phone calls, returning some emails, making sure I keep up with that day-to-day, whether it's a horse owner calling about a question about switching feeds or a dealer that's trying to figure out where their load is and, and when they're going to get their delivery. I'll usually work with some horse barns. Depending on the day, I'll go visit different horse barns, whether they're a customer or not a customer. Just talk to them about how to feed horses, what options we can provide and how we can fit into their program. And then a lot of my days are spent at our dealers. And so I'm doing everything there from training employees to building displays to explaining a promotion or really getting into how a dealer can grow their business overall so that they can be more successful in what they're doing. That sounds like a busy plate. How many people in general, like if you had to categorize, you know, dealers and individual barns, like just a general number of how many you work with? Oh my gosh. You know, I work with around 18 or so dealers. So that number isn't huge. Uh, but when it comes to animal owners, it's it's all across the board. And it, that'd be kind of hard to, to put a number down because, you know, it could be an individual barn. It could be a 4-H group that I'm going to go do a, a horse meeting for. That would be hard to quantify. It's a lot. A lot. A lot is good. <laughs> What's your take? <territory>? Yeah. <laughs> So right now, my territory is pretty nice. Over the years, it's been 
quite a bit bigger. I used to have the entire state of Wyoming and a really good chunk of Colorado. But right now, my territory is pretty much the front range of Colorado. So Fort Collins to a little bit south of Colorado Springs. That happens to be where most of the people are, most of the horses are, most of the kind of backyard animals are as well. And so that fits what I'm doing really nicely. And it it keeps me closer to home, which is nice to be home every night. Do you get to go to any of the trade shows that Purina is a part of as well? We do. And it it just kind of depends on what's going on in our area. Coming up here on Sunday, I'll be in Denver for the American Association Equine Practitioners Convention. So I'll be down there helping with our booth there. In years past, I've helped with our booth out in Vegas at the NFR. However, I've realized that it's way more fun to visit that booth and actually just have my vacation. So I always go by, I always say hi to everybody at the booth in Vegas, and then I go on and and enjoy Vegas. Makes sense. I don't blame you. We do a lot of local shows too. Yeah. Do you have a common myth that people might have about having a territory, being a sales rep, or working for a Purina in general that you can bust for us? Yeah. You know, I think the one thing I hear pretty commonly, especially when I talk to college students that are thinking about where they want to go career wise, is they view someone in sales as a really someone who's just going to push a product no matter what, whether it fits. And they're just going to be really pushy about it. And, and that's not what we do. At least that's not what I do. We're generally out there trying to solve a problem, to provide a solution for somebody. And we try to find feeds that are going to fit for that particular horse or that particular situation. Because it really just doesn't, it doesn't do you any good if you go out and you're really pushy and you don't listen to a customer, you don't try to get them a product that fits their needs because they're not going to stay a customer and it's not a relationship you're going to build. And you know, we try to build relationships with our customers, not just that quick sale. So I'm sure there are some sales folks that are like that, but in the long run, I don't think that they're really successful or really happy in doing that. And that that's a, a common misconception that I hear from a lot of people that we're just out to to push a product and we don't care about our customers and and we sure do. Sure. Would you say that there's room for growth in the sales field? I know um, kind of looking across sales in general or from my experience, it seems like it's sort of an aging profession maybe. So I think there's less young folks kind of interested in getting into it. It's like straight out of college. Do you agree or have you seen that? You know, it's been really interesting because there for a while, it seemed like folks didn't want to be involved in sales. And now we have a lot of younger folks that are entering our company. We have a little bit of a a different position that they can go into where it's more of a a local salesperson and they're, they're tied to a specific dealer and they don't travel a huge territory and they're able to build a lot of relationships with with a lot of local folks. And we have so many young people that are coming in that are interested in that position at least they they like the fact that they can be local and interact locally. And we do a lot to support, I think, a lot more now to support our newer salespeople um, as far as training and education and just support when you're when you're in an area that's new to you, a place you didn't grow up. Um, that can be kind of intimidating. And so we try to provide more support for those folks as they come in so they can be comfortable in not only their job but just their their situation. And so I think that sales role, that 
job has really evolved over time. It's not just kind of the lone road warrior. It's more of a network and there's a lot more support. That's great. Thank you for that background. I think that's kind of the missing piece maybe for some people looking at going into sales or knowing their options. And it sounds like Purina is really setting them up for success. So those who might be interested, check it out. <laughs> trying to, because you, you really hate to get a new person in and, and they just hate their job. We do a lot of internships and in, everybody wants an internship at the research farm because they want to be there at the research farm. But we actually do far more internships out in the field where they're actually involved in that sales process. So they get a chance to see if it's something that they like and they want to pursue or if it's maybe not their cup of tea and there might be some other opportunities within the company that they might enjoy more. Very cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about your education and your path. So what led you here? What was your educational journey kind of through to your position now? You know, growing up, I was involved with riding horses and showing horses, and I knew I wanted to be involved in the industry. I just didn't know that being a trainer is is where I was going to fit because I hadn't grown up you know, being involved in, I showed horses, but I wasn't, you know, at a really high level of showing horses. So I didn't know that a trainer was going to be my fit. And as I was going through school, I was really involved in horse judging programs. So whether it was 4-H or FFA, I was really involved in horse judging. And so that kind of led me uh, to my first stop, uh, which was Blackhawk East, which is a junior college in Kewanee, Illinois. I went there for two years, was on the horse judging team, also was able to get past a lot of the courses, just those kind of general education courses, get those out of the way. And then I transferred to West Texas A&M University in Canyon, Texas, and I finished my bachelor's degree there and did my master's degree, which is, it's an agricultural degree, but my emphasis was in equine nutrition and exercise physiology, which fits really nicely with the job that I'm that I'm doing now. Although along the way, I, I think the hardest part was trying to figure out what I was going to do because I knew I wasn't going to be a horse trainer, but what other aspects of the industry could I be involved with? And sometimes those were a little hard to see. And for the longest time on all of my scholarship applications, I remember putting down, I was going to be a breeding barn manager. And going back to the whole internship concept, I went and worked for a barn that was a training and breeding barn. And I worked a lot in the breeding barn. And I decided that I did, I didn't always get along very well with broodmares. And maybe I needed to expand my search a little bit and see what else was out there in the industry. Those internships are so valuable. When, that's kind of the origin of this podcast, really, is a lot of people kind of hit that crossroads of, okay, I want to work with horses. I don't think a trainer is for me. You know, I don't know that I want to go into a breeding or repro kind of situation. What else is there? And your internships kind of helped narrow that down. So you are exactly why this podcast exists. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Because like I said, sometimes you just don't know until you try it. And you sure don't want that to be like your big life decision career and find out maybe that wasn't for me <laughs> and have to start all over again. Well, I'm lucky for you. Um, not lucky, I guess, well-planned on your part is that your master's degree and your education fell so nicely into what you need to know to handle your job today and the expertise that you can lend then to your clients. Yeah, it, it did work out really well. And, and I was really happy that that program existed at West Texas A&M because it was, it was relatively new when I went there. And they did a nice job of combining animal science, equine science, business, and marketing all into one degree. So it gave, gave me some flexibility where I was going to land 
career-wise. Sure. So how did you land on Purina's doorstep? What was that conversation like? Well, that was a little bit of chance, a little help from my, my friends. I was looking, you know, again, I'm, I'm looking out there in the industry and I looked at a couple of pharmaceutical positions and nothing really seemed to be working out in those areas. And I had another friend who had gotten her master's degree, WT, and I was talking to her and she said, you know what, a position just came open with Purina in Colorado and I think you'd be really good for it. So I interviewed and I got the job and I was really, really fortunate and blessed to have a friend that was looking out for me too, who had kind of already tested the waters and found that this was a great place to have a career. She wanted to bring some more people in. Sounds like it was meant to be right place, right time. It was kind of a a perfect timing that we were completely unaware of. That's awesome. I love when things work out like that. So cool. Can you talk a little bit about your role with the Miss Rodeo Colorado organization? Yeah, that was another thing. You know, you get into uh, friendships and networking situations, and sometimes you just don't know where where everything's going to lead you. And I think it's always good to be flexible and and where you think you're headed. But I had a really, really good friend that was a past Miss Rodeo Colorado and was on the Miss Rodeo Colorado committee. And we had worked together. She worked for Purina uh, for a couple of years and she had left the state, came back to Colorado, was on the committee. And ironically, she thought it would be a really good way that we would get to spend some time together. We actually get to, to see each other. And she thought that I would have some skills that would be beneficial to the Miss Rodeo Colorado committee. And so I said, well, sure, why not? You know, I always kind of have to laugh because I didn't, I really didn't do any rodeo event as a kid. You know, we were always too afraid that my show horse was going to learn how to run off in the arena. And so the most they'd ever let us do in 4-H was a trot barrel pattern or a trot pole pattern. <laughs> right. um, so we didn't, <laughs> didn't have a lot of, you know, rodeo experience in my background. And I definitely didn't have any pageant experience in my background. And I think I, I might have come into it with some of the, you know, I think people perceive a pageant program a certain way and they don't always see the positives that are part of that program. And uh, I'm so glad that, that Stacy got me involved with the Miss Radio Colorado Committee. This is my 13th year. I've been in, around such amazing ladies, both on the committee and a few men. We've had a few men on the committee and then uh, just amazing Uh, queens and contestants. I'm blown away by the professionalism and the independence and the go-getterism that these girls can exhibit. To watch the ladies develop over the course of their reign is really fun too. I mean, you'd see them when they start off and and even they have a notion of what it's going to be. And then when they really get into it, they see that it's such a bigger thing and that they're an ambassador to the sport of rodeo to so many people and especially the kids. I mean, they can just make a little kid's day when they go take a picture with them or sign an autograph with them or explain what's going on in the rodeo. And it really connects those kids to rodeo, to horses, to Western events. And I I think that just is the icing on the cake for so many of these girls. I think you just busted another myth. I think, like you said, there's a misconception (laughs) that maybe some of these organizations have maybe that more pageant feel to them. And really, these are strong, amazing women that go on to be ambassadors for the sport of rodeo. And they view their position, their title as a job. It's something that they 
they go to work every single day and they're very professional in how they pursue that job. Well, this week they're competing for Miss Rodeo America, right? The pageant kicked off Sunday. Exciting time for 2019 Miss Rodeo Colorado, which is Kelly Stockton. And you already have 2020 Miss Rodeo Colorado. She has earned her title and she is out there with her, correct? So she's kind of documenting and learning alongside Kelly? Yeah, she is. Haley's getting a chance to see what's coming for her year. She is meeting a lot of uh, the lady-in-waiting girls from the other states. And uh, she's also kind of our, our commentator. And so she's responsible for our social media posts during the Miss Radio America pageant. So she's been posting all about Kelly's adventures so far and kind of keeping us up to date with what's happening. Very cool. What is your role? I know you're the president. So what does that really entail? A lot of different things. It's kind of, we all kind of pitch in wherever our strengths kind of lead us to me. But technically as the president, I'm the pageant director. So I'm in charge of making sure that our pageant that takes place in June Uh, comes together and all the pieces are there. Another responsibility I have is our clinic, which is taking place in February this year. And so we're really motivated to provide as much education as we can, whether girls are going to compete for a title or not. We feel like the clinic gives them an opportunity for personal development, to develop public speaking and interview skills and confidence in themselves and kind of that independence and and leadership skills. And so I'm also responsible for putting that clinic on along with the rest of our committee. And like I said, we just have an amazing group of ladies on that committee with all different backgrounds and different skill sets. And we try to support each other as much as we can on all the events that we have going on. Well, that is surely evident. It's such a great organization and who better to lead them. So thank you for all your work that you do there. And uh, we'll keep an eye out on all the great stuff happening with Miss Rodeo Colorado. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Now, I see here that you're also part of another committee, which is the Colorado Horse Development Authority Board. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so the Colorado Horse Development Authority works together with Colorado Horse Council to help support the horse industry in Colorado. The Horse Development Authority was really designed as a place where funding could be allocated, whether it's grants to different equine education activities or research activities. And we also are there as part part of the team with Colorado Horse Council to really try to help grow the horse industry in Colorado, to keep an eye on legislation that's being passed that may or may not affect the horse industry, support different activities across the state for the horse industry. Very cool. Very involved. You know, I think getting involved in different committees, different boards, it allows you the opportunity to meet a lot of people that you might not have had the chance to connect with, to see different aspects of whether it's the horse industry or just other aspects that that kind of circle the horse industry, like some of the the legislation that goes on here in the state, things that you might not be aware of if you stayed kind of in your your own little bubble. It kind of broadens your horizon, allows you to network, and allows you to give back a little bit to the horse industry that's been important to me and has given me so much. I said it allows me an opportunity to kind of give back some of my time and effort back into that industry. When you started out and um, you're at West Texas and you're diving through your classes, did you have any idea that this is where you would end up, the role that you have now? No, no, I didn't. In fact, one of my advisors said, I might not be good in a sales position. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Only because I am not, uh, again, I, I think people have this concept of a salesperson that's really outgoing, really extroverted, maybe 
slightly pushy and and that's that's not my that's not my personality at all and so you know I was a little hesitant when jobs like this came open I'm like oh maybe this isn't for me maybe I wouldn't be good at this position but I said I was happily surprised when I went to work for Purina that that's not how they want to approach sales either and you know the training classes that I went through was again, all about building that relationship with folks. So yeah, I I sure didn't see myself in a sales position, but I'm really glad that I found the position that I did because it it fits with my desire to provide, like I said, provide that extra education and provide that that resource for horse owners in addition to just presenting products and selling products. What's next for you? What are you hoping to learn next or what's kind of on the horizon as the next thing you want to tackle? So uh, there's a couple of things, a couple of areas that I'm interested in, in growing in. Uh, there's some opportunities within our company that are, are available now to learn a little bit more about training. So all of our training classes have to be facilitated by folks, and there's some opportunities to gain some more experience in those roles and provide some help in those facilitator roles. And, and I, I really like that. I, I enjoy working with our newer salespeople. And some of our salespeople aren't aren't new, but their area of expertise is more cattle. And I love to be able to to fill in when they have questions about equine nutrition. They need a little guidance or need need a little help. I, I like to be able to provide um, that support to them. And so, if there's some training opportunities that I can be involved with, I I'd like to pursue that. And then, um, I guess more on the Miss Rio. Colorado side, I am constantly trying to push myself to learn a more detailed approach to social media and how to use it. I kind of have to push myself beyond Facebook and into the other platforms so that, and we know how to use those most effectively to communicate with our audience. And so that's, that's a bit of a learning curve for me. And that's, that's something I'd like to develop. Always learning. That's, that's great. Perfect answer. If you could give advice to your 18-year-old self, turn back the time and talk to your freshman college self, what would you say? You know, I think I would just say to kind of broaden my horizons, to look around and see that there are more opportunities in the equine industry. You know, that a lot of the focus is on kind of what we talked about, the training barns and the breeding barns, but there are so many other ways to be involved in the industry and to just look around and see those opportunities versus kind of sticking to one path. Amen. And then do you have advice for anyone that's looking to get into the equine industry as a professional, just in general? You know, I think you you have to be open to to seeing those possibilities. Again, you know, some folks get really locked into, I have to do it this way. Networking with different folks, you know, whether they're directly tied to the horse industry or they're a little outside of the horse industry. You know, if you're in college, working with your college professors, I think people don't take the opportunity to really get to know some of their professors that are in their in their major area. They don't build that relationship. And those folks are going to be able to connect you with all sorts of industry opportunities. And so taking that time and building a relationship with them, I think is really important. Absolutely. Relationships, relationships. That's great advice. Thank you. Well, let's talk horses. Do you have a most memorable moment with horses? Maybe when you were showing as a kid um, or just now later in your career that you've got horses of your own with your family? Most memorable moment? Well, you know, I was looking back over 
you know, I've had some memorable ones that, you know, weren't so great. I, uh, but I was thinking about this one in particular because it was something kind of unique. So in Illinois, when I was in 4-H, they had an opportunity to work in the harness racing industry. And so you would actually get a yearling standard bread and you would raise that standard bread for almost a year. And then you would take that yearling and uh, you would take it through the sale. And so you were able to get kind of recoup some of your expenses through the sale. And so you learned about the harness racing industry. You learned about standard breads. You learned about the whole sale process through that sale. I did that for two years and my uh, second horse was a filly and she turned out to be really successful. And so I was at the Illinois state fair and the filly that I raised won her race and I was cool. able to go down there uh, be in the wind picture in front of the big grandstand. And, and that was just something that was, you know, an industry that I didn't really have any connection to prior to that project that I just fell in love with and to be able to be a part of that horse's career, just to, you know, I didn't breed the horse or anything, but to have been there with her, help raise her, help get her to the sale and then see her succeed. I can understand how people feel about that racing industry and how tied they can be to some of those horses and, and really, really love those horses. And so that was kind of a, that was a unique thing for me that I, it was very memorable. Absolutely. When I, you know, I wrote this question for you and I was totally expecting to get, you know, like a 4-H memory or a, you know, Western pleasure, I don't know, something along those lines. So I was so yeah. excited that it's totally left turn from the harness racing industry and yeah, surprise, harness racing. That's so cool. <laughs> well, do you have a most memorable moment in your career, your equine industry career? That one's an easy one. So I have always been, and I, like a lot of people, I have always been, you know, just in love with the Budweiser Clydesdales. Mm -hmm. And so with my job, we've had the opportunity to work pretty closely with the Clydesdales, which is really cool. But we were shooting a commercial in Fair Play, Colorado, and we had the full hitch, and they let us get up and ride on the hitch. Oh, man. And that by far was the, one of the coolest things. And it was just a short ride, and we just spun the horses around, but it was the coolest thing ever. So uh, I'm, I'm really glad that my job helped me get that opportunity to, to hop up there with the Clydesdales. That, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, that would take the cake for me too. How amazing. They're just so iconic. You can't get any more iconic than that. No. And, and like I said, such, such an amazing hitch of horses and the people that work with them are just, uh, they're just top notch and they're always willing to get people involved with the horses. They're never like stay back from the horses and we can't answer your questions. All they want to do is get you involved with the horses, which is amazing. So cool. Now they would be someone that would be really fun to have on the podcast. Can you imagine all the great stories they have? Oh my gosh. Oh, they, they could fill two podcasts, three podcasts with all their stories. <laughs> Do you have a horse industry recommendation? It can be anything horse related products. It could be events, um, absolutely anything under the sun that you think people might want to hear about that you know quite well. Well, I would be a little remiss as a, a member of the Horse Development Authority if I didn't do a shout out for the Rocky Mountain Horse Expo. The, you know, the expo is in Denver, Colorado, end of February, first part of March. You know, it's a really, it's a great opportunity to connect with a lot of local trainers. You can ride with a trainer. 
uh, and kind of test them out, see if that's somebody you want to work with. There's a lot of local products, local local horses that you can buy. There's a horse sale there. There's art there. There's just so many different ways to kind of tap into that Colorado horse market and the Rocky Mountain horse market that sometimes I think people take it for granted, but um, but it is a really great event, um, especially for folks that are kind of new to the horse industry and they want to learn some different aspects of what's available to them. Great advice. What I love about that event most is that it's so diverse, kind of like I wasn't expecting you to say your most memorable moment was harness racing. Well, you go to the Rocky Mountain Horse Expo and you're going to find things you wouldn't necessarily expect to see either, which is really cool. Oh, most definitely. There's a little bit of everything at the expo. Do you have a non-horse recommendation? So something from your life that you really enjoy that you think our listeners would too that is not horse related? Well, I have to say, I, I, I am a little bit of a podcast junkie. I love podcasts because I'm in I'm in my vehicle so much that I, I can only listen to so much music. I have to diversify a little bit. And so I, I really like podcasts. And I like podcasts that make me laugh and provide some, you know, some type of education. And so one that I'm listening to a lot right now is the Ladies Chit Chat Club. It's a really interesting group of ladies that kind of rotate around and they're all professionals. It's not horse related at all, uh, but they are all women professionals. And sometimes it's really silly and funny and sometimes they get into really deep conversations, but something that I, I definitely enjoy. How fun. I'll have to check that one out and tune in. Well, the last thing I have is a game. So we'll play this or that. Um, You get kind of a a mixed bag with this one. Um, So I'm going to read off two different things and you just tell me which one you would rather. You don't have to have any reasoning for why. Um, Just gut instinct, which one sounds more appealing. Sound good? Okay, perfect. Real or fake Christmas tree? Oh, fake Christmas tree. (laughs) Easier, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's so much easier. Do you do white Christmas lights or multicolored Christmas lights? White Christmas lights because they go with all my ornaments. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Definitely a night owl, which I was also told was going to be a problem with my job, but I can get up early when I need to. Do you drink beer or wine? Beer. We're in the Napa of of beer country here. Of course I'm going to drink beer. Amen. Do you like IPAs or sours or something else? What's your choice? Neither. Maybe a stout or a brown or... Gotcha. All right. I like, I like it. <laughs> yeah. No sours. No sours. <laughs> no sours. No sours for Megan. <laughs> if you had to choose between leather or lace? Leather, of course. Diamonds or pearls? Diamonds. Do you feed your own horses supplements or a complete feed or a combination? Oh, they get a complete feed. They get Strategy Healthy Edge every day. A little psyllium once a month. That's all they need. That works. <laughs> Perfect. And then do you prefer big box stores or do you like the local feed stores? I love my local, you know, there's, there's a spot for everybody, but I love my local feed stores because they can answer my questions and they, they know the people who are coming into their stores want to do the best for every customer that walks in. I agree. All right. But the NFR kicks off this week. And as you mentioned, you've been there a time or two (laughs) for various things. A few. A few. So I have a few NFR related questions. MGM or South Point? South Point. Would you rather go to a live performance or go to a watch party? The live performance is always better. We go to a few that aren't, but oh, it's so cool to be in the Thomas and Mac. And then do you like the timed events or the judged rough stock events? Oh, that's a hard one. But <laughs> Saddle Bronc is by far my favorite. So I guess we'll go with, with rough stock. 
Good choice. And then this isn't an either or, but I'm hoping we can get a little insider information. Where is the best location for shopping at the WNFR? Well, goodness, there's so many places to go, but, you know, Cowboy Christmas is the classic place to go. So I think everybody starts there and then branches out. Can't miss it. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Megan. This has been a lot of fun getting to know you and kind of hearing your journey and your advice. We really appreciate you being on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much and look forward to hearing it on the podcast. Thanks for riding along. Know someone that would be great to interview? Have questions you'd like answered on the podcast? Send me an email at beyondthesaddlepodcast at gmail.com or join the conversation on social media. You can connect with us and learn more about the Beyond the Saddle podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at at Beyond the Saddle podcast. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Beyond the Saddle is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network. 